Welcome to Career Tools. This week's guidance, talking about sensitive topics. Part one, here we go. This podcast answers these questions. What are things I should avoid talking about at work? Why should I avoid talking about those things at work? What are good topics to talk about at work? All this and more in one of my favorite casts. If you're a director, you need roadmap. You need to be able to see whether or not your managers are rolling out one-on-ones and feedback and coaching and delegation. You can drill down with roadmap if you've got it and your direct managers have it to see how they're doing and what they're doing and keep apprised of how they're doing such that you can talk to them about it. Hopefully, it'll be positive feedback. Check out Roadmap. Okay, Wendy, we've had this conversation before. I'm an American. You're a Brit. Uh, Brits are always laughing at what Americans will talk about because, of course, the only thing Brits talk about is the weather. Laughing and cringing. Yes. No no whinging, though. No whinging. (laughs) No, no whinging. Just cringing. And a stiff upper lip and all that. But, um, you know, the world has changed in the last 50 years and what our parents used to think of as appropriate restrictions on normal conversation or even private conversations have lessened. Uh, Standards tend to lessen over the history of modern mankind. You know, I read in the Wall Street Journal just last week about, you know, can a 12-year-old have a smartphone and what happens if you find out they've been sexting someone? So clearly, standards and uh, mores and the things that control our behaviors when we're in a more public sphere sphere have changed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's true at work. Um, You know, at work, we talk about all kinds of things, family, movies, vacations, books, and those things are certainly fine, your your pastimes and your hobbies and so on. And and that helps us with relationships, which is a, a core tenet of a successful career. And then there are things we get into, particularly if we consider ourselves friends with a colleague, where perhaps we mean well, or we don't mean ill. And it turns out that probably what we've said has struck a nerve, made somebody uncomfortable. And had we thought about it before, thought about the limits and the standards and so on, we would have realized that what we said perhaps was thoughtless. So there are some topics that we need to avoid. There are probably some other topics that we need to tread much more lightly than most of us do in the modern time. It's certainly not in an interest at being politically correct, but rather being sensitive to other people. And thanks to modernity's inclusion and diversity and so on, we have many different people with many different backgrounds, with many different standards coming together. And that makes for easier opportunities for slights, misunderstandings, hurt feelings, and potentially damaged relationships. So let's give them some guidance about stuff you can talk about, stuff you can't talk about, maybe how to deflect when something happens along the way. Walk us through our outline. So we have eight different topics that we're going to cover. So other people's relationships, other people's physical appearance, other, (laughs) other people's family plans, other people's parenting, other people's belongings, house, car, handbag, whatever. Uh, other people's medical conditions, other people's food, and then the big four, politics, sex, religion, and money. Yes, the big no-no four. (laughs) 
Okay. I would assume that in the age of modern smartphones and so on and sharing with your friends and all kinds of what I would call innuendo, which is now normal conversation um, because I'm old, let's start with other people's relationships and I'm sure you're going to tell me that I'm wrong. So go ahead. I don't know that you're wrong. I think sometimes when we talk about other people, we say things like you said that are, we just don't think them through. If you take them from the other person's point of view, they're just thoughtless. They're hurtful in a way that's, it's not intended. It's just thoughtless. Well, you know, can, can I say something about that? Mm -hmm. I, I would argue that someone listening right now would say, I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate here since I'm in Mike's role today. I think some people would say, no, it wasn't thoughtless. I thought. And folks, you have to understand, thoughtless means two things. One, perhaps you didn't think. Or the other is, you thought wrong. But in polite society, someone would not tell you, you were wrong. They would simply say, you didn't think. Because it is less of a sin to think less, right, rather than to think wrong. And so, when we say thoughtless, I think there's some people who go, no, 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 I, I never say anything thoughtless. Uh, privately, they might admit it to themselves. But just to be clear, folks, we don't mean that you didn't think. We mean that in a situation where you and someone else have different boundaries, or maybe you have a slightly thicker skin, that you would say something that they would say privately to someone else that hurt, or perhaps they would say to you, you know, that was thoughtless, but they don't want to call you wrong, okay? And certainly, we don't suggest that you're ill-intentioned. Wendy, I, I think you made that point. But here's, here's something to consider, folks. Nobody goes around as a habit doing things intentionally to hurt, to damage, to affect their results at work. And that's why we say all the time on the Manager Tools set of podcasts that there is no why, W-H-Y, in feedback. We know you don't intend to do things wrong, but in the world we live in today, your results at work are essentially considered a result of your behavior. And it doesn't matter if you meant well. Ask yourself recently, have you made mistakes in the last month? Of course you have. You're human. So have we all. But did you intend to make those mistakes? No. You thought doing A would work. It didn't work. You missed the deadline. And so when your boss says, hey, you missed the deadline. I'm disappointed. And you say, well, I didn't mean to. It doesn't matter that you didn't mean to because the measurement, the standard is the deadline. Same thing in relationships. You may not mean to, and when someone else gets their feelings hurt, and then you say, well, I didn't mean that, one of the fundamental societal principles that keeps civilization, helps civilization, keeps our lives from being nasty, brutish, and short, is the understanding that your intentions in a conversation are not enough. If we were going to judge other people by their intentions, we'd all be fine all the time. Mm -hmm. So just because what you're saying is well-intentioned doesn't mean it's societally acceptable or, for that matter, unhurtful to someone else. Yes, there are probably some situations where you could say, you look very sharp today, and that could hurt somebody's feelings. Someone would argue, okay, in that case, you not only did a well-intentioned thing, but what you said was completely blameless. But we're going to take the approach, I assume, Wendy, here, that the way to be completely blameless is to avoid any possibility that you will offend without resorting to doublespeak and gibberish and so on. 
Is that fair to say? Yes, definitely. Sorry that was long. <laughs> That's right. So for anyone who wants a shortcut to this guidance, here's what to remember. Don't comment on someone else's behavior, except that it pertains to you and your work. So don't comment on anything they have or anything they do, except about the work. And most people can't do that. My dad would tell you, engage brain before opening mouth. Right, yeah. But again, you'll get the people who say, that's just not possible, Wendy, you can't. Right, you know, gosh, I can't comment on any behaviors at all. I mean, that's just not possible. Well, remember, folks, Wendy said a shortcut. We know we have plenty of high Ds, you disc high Ds, that want the five-minute guidance. We've already given you the outline, and we're only 10 minutes into this podcast. So there's there's your short guidance if you want to cut us off now. Don't comment on somebody else's behavior unless it's about you or your work. Now, there are social niceties. And you can certainly do those things, but general social niceties stay away from other people's behaviors. We're all going to be Brits sooner or later. (laughs) Going to rule the world again. Yes, exactly. So what can you say? I mean, give us, you know, we're talking about other people's relationships here. So obviously you have to give us some leeway so that we can make good choices in those conversations we inevitably end up in. Right. So, for example, if somebody's going on a date, it's okay to say, good luck, I hope you have a good night. It's okay to say, hey, how was your date last night, the next morning, right? That's showing interest in somebody else's, uh, the things that are very important to someone else, and therefore that builds relationships. There's nothing there that, you know, somebody could be upset about. But to take that a step further, when you ask, how did it go, how was the date, with a smile on your face, You should only expect a one-sentence answer, Mm -hmm. and you should not probe. After they give you the one-sentence answer, you can say, well, I'm glad to hear that, or "Uh, I'm sorry, hopefully next time. In other words, you don't get to ask, how did it go, as the entree into a five-minute discussion where you feel someone else owes you a detailed description of how things went, where they went to dinner, whether or not he or she was cute or smart or successful or shared their habits, none of that stuff. Now, you might say, well, that's not much fun. Well, yeah. If you see that, that um, how did it go as an entree into learning all the details, and someone then says, oh, it didn't go well, you then naturally are going to say, well, what happened? And now you're going to get some, no offense, you're not going to get joy at the other person's shame, but you're the one prolonging the conversation for your own benefit, mm-hmm. for you to learn about what happened to them. They don't want to talk about it. Or even if you want to talk about it, maybe in general, even if it went well, they don't want to talk about it. And this is part of respecting people's boundaries. It's as simple as that. So I think that happens. Oh, tell me. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, did it go well? You know what? Here's what's funny. People don't understand this. That's rude. That second question is rude. And folks, don't infer that the rude rudeness is rooted in a hundred-year-old etiquette. Rudeness is about the absence of or the breaking of rules relative to civility. And we will always have civility as long as we have the incredible world we live in today. So being civil is another way, a set of rules to help us to always be kind, or put differently, to avoid being unkind to other people. Because without civilization, life would be nasty, brutish, and short. Right. Civility is the oil for the ball bearings, right? It's the thing that stops from rubbing against each other. And look, you're in a workplace. My dad used to say, 
The definition of conflict is two human beings in the same county. You put 50 people in an office, you've got conflict. You have to have some mitigating factors, and civility is an important one. Without that, it's a nightmare. So I'll give him uh, one more answer, and then we'll talk a little bit more about details. So uh, another example, if someone's had a fight with their wife, they come in and, you, and they've got a face on, and you say, oh, are you all right? And they say, oh, God, I had the most awful fight with my wife this morning. It's okay to say, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope things get better. It's not okay to say, what were you fighting about? Are you going to get divorced? Like, you know, all the questions that maybe you want to ask, but you you don't. Just don't ask for any details. Just because the topic is not off limits doesn't mean that you can have a long conversation about it and that you can ask all the questions that you want to ask about it. Yeah, and we'll talk later. A lot of people will translate what you just said as, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, if you need to talk about it, I'm here for you kind of thing. And that's even asking for someone perhaps to share more than they would. So that first conversation, that first entree is not an entree. That first question is not an entree. It is a polite inquiry that doesn't lead to more. Now, if somebody else were to share more, that's different. But we're trying to talk about your behavior here. So we don't ask for details, right? Yeah. And so in all things that are not off limits, like personal and sensitive things, be moderate. Don't expect a conversation on any of the topics that we're going to talk about to be long and deep because it's just not appropriate at work to have those conversations. And I think it's important. To, yeah, I think it's important to add to that, that if you believe that having a conversation with another person about sensitive, personal, and maybe even private topics is the definition of friendship, you're wrong. That's not the definition of friendship. That is an example of some friendships, mm -hmm. but not all and not for everyone. Some people can be fantastic friends and never share those kinds of things. Never. Especially at work. You know, you end up with those kind of relationships, those friendships. They're about the work. They're about what you do together and what you achieve together. They're not about deep and meaningful sharing. Yeah. Well, I would argue it can be deep and meaningful, but it's not private or personal. It's professional. Yeah. It's a when, when, most, you know, when you say deep and meaningful, most people immediately think, oh, personal, private, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you wouldn't want every conversation that's deep and meaningful to be recorded. I would argue that Mike and I, yesterday on my back porch here at Pebble Beach, in one of our monthly or every six weeks or so, owner's strategy sessions, we had a deep and meaningful conversation about the future of manager tools, about which we'll be making announcements shortly. And um, we're really excited about it. But it wasn't personal. It wasn't private. It's just a professional relationship, even though Mike and I are best friends. Okay, so keep going, though. Can you give us some other examples? Some, you know, I, I, I think I'm really trying hard to give some theoretical background or some principle or conceptual background. But I know what people want to hear is, give me some examples. Are you guys really for real on this? Okay, so here's some things. We'll, we'll give you some things you might have heard in around the workplace or between people. And then we'll talk about the specifics of what somebody else could think when you're not thinking of that. When Mark says you're thinking wrong, this we're going to give you the example of how you could be thinking wrong about these things. So the first one is, you're single. Oh, I'm sorry, you must be lonely. Or it must be hard to be around married people. Yeah. So that's a great example. I'm sorry, you must be lonely. 
a lot of people would say, I said I'm sorry. I mean, I, I expressed condolences, if you will, so therefore my intention is okay. No, just because your intention is okay doesn't mean the thing you can say about you must be lonely. You know, that's a classic one when there's a, a party and there's four couples who all work together. There's there's men and women who brought their spouses, partners, significant others, and you're by yourself. Yeah, and, and people say, oh, it must be hard for you. Hmm? No. <laughs> uh, okay, let's do all the examples and then we'll break them down. So another one, did you do anything with your husband over the weekend? You've been together a long time. Are you getting married soon? Or you're getting divorced. Oh, but you seem so good together. <laughs> All very well-intentioned, right? Exactly. So let's start with the first one. You're, you're single. I'm sorry, you must be lonely, or it must be hard to be around married people. So if that person is sad that they're single, you just rubbed it in their face. You just made the sad situation worse by bringing attention to it. If the person isn't sad then you're kind of suggesting that they should be, that singledom isn't a natural state and that therefore they must want to be in a relationship. And not everybody wants to be. Essentially, you've judged them and you're applying your standard for whether or not you would be lonely when you were single to their situation when in fact that may be their synchronon of, of, of states, right? That, that to be single is, is what they want. Isn't, you know, modern society great that you can choose to be that if you want? Yeah. And, it, it, you know, even if they're happy or not happy, it doesn't really matter. But you're kind of suggesting that they're, they're abnormal for being okay with it, you know? And being single is fine if that's, you know, if that's yeah. the state you find yourself in, then being okay with it is good for your mental health. And even if you say something positive like, oh, I'd love to be single again, you know, I'd love to be able to go out and do whatever I want. You, you know, maybe that person is really sad about being single and now you're saying, oh, there's something that I wish for in it. Um, you're saying you should be happy about it because you could because go and I do would all be of happy these things. Yes. Right, yeah, exactly. It's that judgment piece of, of you comparing it to how you would feel in that situation. And you don't know that that person does or does not feel that way and you don't know how they just feel about your standard. Yeah. So here, some ways to avoid this in this situation is, let's say you're at a dinner and there are four couples and a single person. When you go up to them, you don't start with an assumption that, oh, where's your date? Or you're, you know, I, I don't, I don't know your status or whatever. And, and the answer is, oh, I'm here by myself. I'm, I'm single. Well, the reason they said I'm single, and now that you feel you need to say something to comment on it, is because you started it. Mm -hmm. What you should say is, hello, how are you? And you don't assume that there is or isn't someone. If a minute later, their spouse, partner, significant other, daughter, son comes up, right, um, and says, oh, I'd like you to meet my son. Oh, hi, how are you? Right? And I might think to myself, let, let's say, you know, I'm over 50 and my children are in the workforce. And let's say that my son is home from college at, and uh, my family has already left for a Christmas vacation, and so it's my son and I. We're leaving tomorrow. I'm going to the party. My son wants to learn about where I work, and so I bring my son to the office Christmas party. And uh, suddenly he comes up, and and uh, I say, "Oh, well, here, here, here's my son, Travis." And the person says, "Oh, I didn't know you were married." Okay, they stepped in and again, as opposed to saying, "Oh, hello, Travis. How are you? It's very nice to meet you." 
you can tell that Travis is 28 years old or whatever, and you say, are you in town for the holidays? Might be a completely reasonable thing to say, which is not about status, not about relationships, not about where's my wife? Mark, why is your wife not here? Uh, did you get divorced? You know, because my wife and I are remarried. You know, oh, is this your stepson? I have to tell you that one particularly. Oh, I get this all the time from people. After I've specifically told people my wife, Rhonda, and I do not make distinctions among our seven children. They're all our children. And people say, I know, I know, no, but, but, but is he yours or is he Rhonda's? I have now gotten to the point after three or three of those things, I just stare at them. And I've done that recently to a good friend of mine here at home. He says, what? I said, I just told you, we don't make that distinction. And he said, well, I do. And my response was, unfortunately for you, you can't because I know what the distinction is, but I'm not going to tell you. Folks, please don't be like me, because um, there's a famous quote, I'm sure I shared it in Things I Think I Think. Um, many of you know, if you're longtime listeners and licensees, that I'm a big fan of uh, World War II history, and Churchill specifically. And there's a famous quote by an American admiral, Admiral King, who was known as irascible, which is, a, I think it's safe to say that I would be considered irascible in some situations, that, that um, Admiral King had irritated some of the British chiefs of staff. He was an American senior, senior naval admiral. And he, um, one of the Brits came up to him and said, you know, you, you, you were very rude. You, it appeared you were almost come to fisticuffs. And he said to Churchill, he says, sir, when there's a war, they send for the sons of bitches. And that's me. So to my friend, I was very direct. So folks, don't be irascible me. Um and at the same time, recognize that we often create our own situations where we now have made the other person uncomfortable, and we need to learn how to say something not related to someone else's status, someone else's emotions, someone else's family situation, which, we'll, of course, we'll talk about more. Exactly. I'll tell you a trick that my aunt taught me. My aunt has been in a relationship with a man for like 20 years. They don't live together. I don't know how to describe it. And I was at a party with my aunt and uh, this man, whose name is Ian, and I was introducing them to someone else. And I said, this is my aunt Marion, and this is her. And I and I didn't know what to say. And she said, this is Ian. This is Ian. And I was like, yes. that's what I should have said. It's, it's, right? you, you, know, you know, that's beautiful because you were looking for a modifier to mm -hmm. help the other person to place him, to give him status and so on. When in fact, people don't need modifiers. They don't need status. Now, it would certainly be appropriate for me, for me to say, this is Travis, my son. But it's completely reasonable just to say, I like an immediate. Yes. And then, of course, the other person would say, oh, are you, are you connected in some way? Yes. Well, now they've stepped in it, not you. <laughs> exactly. It's a very good, it's a very neat trick. Okay, so next up we have, uh, did you do anything with your husband over the weekend or your wife over the weekend? If you see a wedding ring and you assume a woman has a husband, you could be wrong. She might have a wife and a husband might have another husband. Uh, they might have any other kind of relationship. People wear wedding rings for all sorts of reasons. Yes. That, that aren't that they're necessarily married. And if that person didn't do something with their spouse over the weekend, you know, maybe they have a week... Uh, a uh, friend of mine is a golf widow, you know, so she's always, did you do nothing, nice, something nice over the weekend? No, I stayed home and Bob went to play golf. There's an assumption in here that doing something together is 
a definition of a good weekend. That's why you right. would ask, right? Rather than saying, how was your weekend? And let them say, oh, I got to spend six hours in the garden. It was great. And you might say, and how's Bob? And say, he had a great weekend too. He was playing golf. Exactly. It's back to that comparing, yes. comparing what's your normality right. with somebody else's situation, right? It's back to that again. I would also say this. Uh, in modern times, I have generally learned to say spouse initially. Mm -hmm. And then if I've met both couples, about both persons in the couple, I might choose to say husband or wife. I generally don't use the word, and I, I know this will annoy some of our listeners in Australia, I don't use the word partner. Because in, in that particular case, I feel it's not as descriptive, helpfully descriptive, while being non-confrontational. It, it's not uncivil to refer to someone as someone's spouse. And that's me. Now, again, Australia, I apologize. Again, I, I think it's a question of we, we go into these things with assumptions. And I think one of the things, Wendy and I talk about this all the time behind the scenes, folks, there is a real opportunity for workplaces to become less dramatic, less tension-filled, less conflict-filled with some change in interpersonal behavior that would adopt some of these rules of civility we're talking about. Civility is not for old people. It is not antiquated. It is not out of date at all. In fact, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. I mean, look, you can read certainly online about the people who don't go online anymore, who don't go to chat rooms or don't go to look at comments, particularly when they're reading the news, because anonymity the anonymity that exists on the web turns a far too high a percentage of the population into cretins that say vulgar, disrespectful, rude, uh, and easily hurtful, but often vicious things to one another. And some people predicted that when the web started. Those of you who are young and you haven't lived in a life without the web, uh, believe me, people predicted this. And then people said, no, 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 it's a better world. But no, people still behave in ways that are awkward and nasty and so on. And civility is a way for you to smooth out the drama, the tension, and the conflict. What you want, we even have a cast about this on Manager Tools. We have a cast where when the board of directors is asking the senior team who should replace the CEO, you want to be everybody's number two. Because mm -hmm. the senior people who report to the CEO, the, the assumption is usually they all want to be CEO, or most of them do. So boards have learned that the conversations they have with every person is, if not for you, meaning I'm taking you out of the equation, Mr. VP, Mr. CFO, Mr. COO, Ms. Mrs. CAO, whatever, if not for you, who? And of course, what that means is, if you're asking me, and Wendy and I are both senior executives, I could say, well, if it's not going to be me, I could work best with Wendy. You want to be everybody's number two. Everybody has their own interests. Everybody has, at that level, they have probably a little bit too much drive and so on. It's probably what got them there. And you have to create enough relationships, even with people that could be very hard to create relationships with. And some of that is civility, is holding your tongue, is not saying something that you could probably get away with, mm -hmm. but you don't want to say, I want to take advantage of the full benefits of this relationship by saying something that I know my friend will tolerate. 
No, because if you start doing that, now suddenly you're going to lower the bar that you have to get over to say it with somebody whom you're not friends with. Or maybe you assume that you, in fact, are friends with somebody. And in fact, they see you as a colleague, a trusted colleague, perhaps, but you're not friends. And now you've said something that has hurt the relationship. And now you have to work on repairing it because you're going to see them day after day after day after day, as opposed to thinking about results and developing people and the future and so on. It makes me think of sales that, you know, they always say it's better to keep a, keep a customer than try and get a new one. It's always better to keep your relationship than to try and repair it. It's way more work. Yeah. Folks, we probably need to stop here in the interest of your time. I know we're in the middle of a topic, but we'll pick it up where we left off in next week's Career Tools. Until then, we'll see you. 